0: Oh. that's nice. We're just honored to get to, to bring this message. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> Wait, do you have the kit? What's the kit? <laughs> come to the thing. Wait, what? Hey there, Levi and Jenny here, and we just wanted to come on real quickly before the message begins to say thank you. Yes. We consider it an enormous privilege to bring messages from God's Word to you, and we hope it blesses you as much as it helps us.
0: That's right, and we're about to launch into a new series called Wild Blue Yonder, and we are just so excited for this season in our church and in our lives.
1: That's right, it's a time where we're asking for God to give us the courage and the faith to risk the ocean and step out into the unknown so He can do more in us and through us. The series culminates in a special year-end Wild Blue Yonder offering where all of us at Fresh Life are asking God, what are we going to bring above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings to see God expand our reach and do even more to build his kingdom?
0: That's right. And in this exciting time for us as a church, we want to invite you to be a part of this.
1: That's right. You can, of course, do that on our website, freshlife.church, or we'd like to be able to offer to give to you something we've given to everyone at Fresh Life. And that's one of these special Wild Blue Yonder giving kits. And of course, there's an envelope in it where you can uh, put what your gift is, but then there's also a beautiful reminder, uh, which is a cool Wild Blue Yonder remove before flight zipper pull, which would make an amazing keychain, or if you have a bomber jacket. it on that zipper. Or
0: right
1: here. I could put it right here. But the point is, as you're coming across this and praying through the teachings from God's word through this series, we'd love for you to have one of these as you would consider your part in extending our reach to reach more people at freshlife.church and through all of the online and TV broadcasts as well. So you can get one of these uh, through shooting an email email to info at freshlife.church. We'd love to send one your way as we collaborate together, partnering to see people touched by Jesus.
0: That's right. Thank you so much for watching.
1: Enjoy the message. This is part two now of a series of messages that we're calling Wild Blue Yonder. And we're excited about it. Because it was 11 years ago this week, 11 years ago on Black Friday, that Jenny and I said yes uh, to God. And, And we accepted this responsibility of leading something that he gave us the name Fresh Life for. 11 years ago, Black Friday. And I always get a little bit emotional as I think back to that, because I think about you know, the two diverging paths in the, in the wilderness. And uh, you, you always, when you walk down one road, you think about, later on, what would have happened if I'd have walked t- taken that other path? And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God gave us the strength on that day to take the road less traveled. Because yes. uh, back then, 11 years ago, um, there was a lot of voices in our lives who inserted themselves into the story And told us, even voices we trusted, uh, who told us uh, this is not God's plan for your life. Starting Fresh Life Church is not God's plan for your life. It doesn't make any sense. And we were hearing from God and we rejected uh, what was what we realized was not not His His Holy Spirit nudging us. You gotta do that. You gotta learn to be able to say to voices sometimes, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God. You are focused on the things of man. If you don't do that, I mean, I I wouldn't recommend you say that to people out loud. You just got to do the penguins of Madagascar sometimes. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. (laughs) But I sat across waffles from a man of God who I respected. And he said, you just can't go to start Fresh Life Church in the, in the Northwest of the United States. And you can't move to the Rocky Mountains. You cannot go where there are like four people. And uh, because your ministry is working here where you're at. There's millions of people within an hour car ride in three directions from you. And the the young people are dying here. and, And God's moving in power. So look what he's doing. You cannot go do this thing. 11 years ago, the voice said to me across pancakes and waffles. And in my heart, I just had to say, get thee behind me, Satan because the Holy Spirit had tucked this dream of an idea into our hearts to to start something called Fresh Life. We didn't understand it. We've been digging up dinosaur bones this whole time. When you first start digging up a bone, you don't know what the whole skeleton looks like yet. You just got a bone. So as we began uncovering what this was going to be called Fresh Life Church, it was in our hearts. And we couldn't deny that we were stirred to the point that we felt like it would be sin if we didn't at least give it a go. Did I know what was going to happen? No. Did Jenny know what was going to happen? No. Did we own a winter coat? No. (laughs) But we had a hunch that what we were uncovering was God's will for our lives, enough to say yes, enough to say yes 11 years ago. And I'm thankful that we said yes. I'm grateful as I look at what God's doing now, and I hear stories, and I read emails, and we We see life change. I'm I'm grateful that, as I think back, that I took the road less traveled. I'm grateful that God stirred our hearts to do something that didn't make sense in the moment. We couldn't do what we've been doing, being mindful of the things of men. We had to be mindful of the things of God. Peter told Jesus to not go to the cross because it didn't make sense to Peter. And it wasn't a good ministry move. So here's what I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you the the reason we're doing Wildly Yonder is because I refuse, having begun in the spirit, to try and make it perfect in the flesh. I refuse to all of a sudden now start making decisions that everybody agrees with. I, start, I refuse to right now all of a sudden shift from that wild, crazy, let's go. Let's step out into the unknown. Let's risk the ocean. I refuse to, to play it safe now. We're not going to now all of a sudden get into a nice, clean, tidy life because we have something to lose, because we've seen God. Well, now you've got to. No, 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 no. We're not going to be mindful of the things of man. We're going to be mindful of the things of God. Fresh Life Church is going to blaze a trail into the wild blue yonder. We don't know what it's going to look like. There are no guarantees except there's going to be people who don't like it but we're going to be mindful of the things of God. We're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the Galilean who went to the cross because that's what God called him to do. And I dare you to live a life where you do what God called you to do, not what makes sense to your family, makes sense to your friends, makes sense on social media, looks good on paper, numbers all add up, perfect life. I'm telling you something, the riskiest thing we could do would be to start playing it safe. So that's, in a nutshell, why Wild Blue Yonder? Why step out into the unknown? Why push our chips to the center of the table? This is Jenny and I and our team and all of us who are part of this house, our chance to say yes all over again. Maybe maybe you weren't here back in the day. You weren't in the Salt Lake City airport when we said yes to God. You weren't in the Salt Lake City Airport when we purchased the URL that our church has all of our teachings parked at right now. But on that spot, you get to be there with us all over again because right now is day one of a brand new thing. I'm telling you something. We are almost 11 years in, but we've only just begun. It's brand new. Let's go. Let's see what's around the river bend. We'll find out when we get there. Hold on for dear life. Let's ski in front of an avalanche. Let's be puckered up everywhere you can pucker up. Let's go. I don't want a church that can be explained. I want to look around all the time and go, oh my God, and mean it literally as a prayer. Like, what have you done? How can this make sense? What? Who are we that you would do such a thing? I want to come back surprised to Jesus, like the demons listen to us, and have him remind us once again, don't rejoice that the demons listen to you when you command them. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's not get over the fact that we're saved. Let's not all of a sudden be professionals about it. Let's not all of a sudden be calm about it. This isn't a golf game. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about resurrection. We're talking about revival. We're talking about heaven coming to earth. We're talking about the only thing that outlasts everything. Your business won't be in heaven. My business card won't be in heaven. But the church of Jesus Christ. That will go marching on. Wells Fargo, Coca-Cola. None of these names are going to be on the lips of tongues in heaven. But the name of Jesus will be on the lips of tongues in heaven. He'll be worshipped by every tribe, every tongue, every language. Come on, let's, let's, let's fight to see human trafficking victims set free. Let's fight to see hungry people fed. Let's fight to see people who are stranded in sin find life and liberty in Jesus Christ. Let's not stay where we're at. Let's take it to the other villages. Let's take it to new places. All right, sit down and open up your Bibles to Genesis 13. We haven't even read our scripture yet. The title of my message this week is Living on Leftovers. Because that's kind of what we're doing right now. Anybody else? Anybody else? And I don't know if it's you or me or none of us, but I know this. I know the leftovers oftentimes taste better than the first time around. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's because you're in your sweatpants when you're in them as leftovers. And maybe it's because you're not bothering to plate anything up. You're just eating it straight from the pie tin over the sink. But is that just me? Um, Genesis 13. Abraham and um, Sarah is where we began in the series, and we're going to stick with them for at least another week. And uh, they, they did a crazy thing. They, they said yes to God. They weren't in the Salt Lake City airport, but they were in the Ur of the Chaldees. And God said, go. And they were like, where are we going? I mean, they had it harder than we did, because at least we knew where we were going to start this church. And, and, um, and they, were just, they were just following God. And he said, I'll tell you when you get there. If you weren't here, we'd laugh at the fact that that's a tif- difficult trip to pack for. Eh? And um, so, so they they went and um, and they didn't go alone. We didn't get to talk about him, but they brought Abraham's nephew, whose dad had died, and his name was Lot. And so Lot came with them. And so we're going to see kind of like two different ways of looking at life through Abraham and Lot. That's kind of where we're going for this message. So uh, join me in th- uh, Genesis 13, verse 2, where it says. I think we've got the verse on the screen for you, too. It says, uh, Abraham was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold, so we're getting some backstory on him. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, when he first got to the Promised Land, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. Altar is a meeting place where you seek God. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. What a dude. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, too. Doesn't say he was very rich, but he had some also, apparently. Verse 6, now the land was not able to support them both, where they were both at, obviously limited pasture land and an arid place like Israel, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And so there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the way it's written in the original, it makes it very much apparent that it was Lot's people who were grumbling and grumpy about them not getting their proper dues here. So that's kind of the tone of what's happening. Uh, The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land also because they hadn't been driven out. That'll take Joshua and Jericho and Ai and all the conquests to drive all the uh, inhabitants out. Verse 8, so Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you. What a peacemaker he is between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brethren. Come on, can't, can't we all just get along is what he's saying. Is not the whole land before you? Look at this. Please separate from me. Uh, and obviously, this was kind of what Lot's guys were getting at. We could do better on our own. We didn't need Abraham. That's kind of the tone. So he's like, go, fine, go. If you, there's, there's the door, man. Get on get on, on out of here. It's cool. There's no, there's no need to have strife. Don't stay and hate it. If your heart's not here, then, then go is the idea. Is not the whole land before you? Separate from me. Check it out. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, you, you, you probably aren't as shocked as the original readers would have been, because in a fierce patriarchal society, this would never, ever be how things would be divvied up in the event of two people going their way. Abraham is, is uh, the leader of this family. And so he would obviously get lion's share. And if, if Lot wants to go somewhere, he can go find some like uh, tract of land after Abraham's decided where he's going to set up life. But that's not Abraham's spirit, is it? He says, you, you pick first. You, anywhere you want to go, man. Whole promised land. You, you could have it. There's just a magnanimity to Abraham here. And I love it so much. you just like, fine, man, you pick anything you want. You, you pick it, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. It's, it's fine. I just want you to, to live your life. I want to maintain our relationship. The money is less important to me. Look at this, verse 10. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that, that's a problem that happens later on. Uh, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Now, those who are experts um, say that when Lot lifts his eyes up and sees it, and his, his thoughts are, it's like the garden of the Lord, that, that there's so much to that. That uh, he's hearkening back to the Garden of Eden, and what had been lost in the garden, he thinks if he can go where he can thrive commercially, no longer under Abraham's shadow, or if he can go to this place where there's the water. Because he picked the only, by the way, the only location uh, that would have been visible where they were out on this bluff that would have had a green belt of, 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 of agriculture. Because he picked the, the fertile area by the Jordan River. And of course, if you've flown in an airplane, you see that life follows water. And he picked, if you've been to Israel today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, he picked the only green. He, so it would be where it would be easiest to thrive. And in his mind, this is now going to be his Garden of Eden. And so um, Pastor Tim Keller, uh, he, he says that what Lot's actually getting at is the hole inside me is going to be filled up because of how successful. We've been aching to have that connection with God that we lost at the Garden of Eden. And so to look at it and go, this is going to be the Garden of Eden? Wait, wait, wait. Because you're going to make a whole bunch of money? You're going to be happy? You don't think you'll just want more money when you get more? And you're going to realize, dang it, I was wrong. There's actually more money to get than I thought there was. You, you, think, you think it's not going to be a biggie, small thing? Or more money, more problems? Like, you don't, you don't think that all is going to be the issue? No, you're going to finally have solved the problems that plague you because you're going to be so successful. So, so, so Lot is a man who's got, his, he's lifting his eyes up and he's seeing green. And the green he thinks is going to make him green. And if he just could get that green, then it would be like he's back in the garden. Every problem, all the issues, all the the anxiety, all the emptiness, all the narcissism, all the anxiety, all that's going to go away if I could just get to where it's green, then I'll be happy. He's pinning his hopes on materialism and success to fill an emptiness inside of him. No one ever in history has ever tried that before or since. So this is a wild, crazy experiment. (laughs) We are not the smartest bunch, right? Always, there's a price tag on my happiness if I could just afford it, right? All right, verse 12. So they separated from each other there at Zoar, right? Oh, verse um, 11. Actually, we're in 11. It says, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed, which direction? Tell me if you know. East, East, Okay. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Oh, I forgot to also tell you um, where he picked is as far as you could possibly go, but still be in the land of promise. So he's very close to a big city, which is where they left from Mesopotamia. They left Ur. That's a big city to go live in wildness. Um, But he picked a green area that is as as close to this big city as you could get without being in it. right? So not only is he hoping he gets happy because of what he's going to experience there, he's as close to the return to the thing he left from as possibly he could be. With, without going back to it outright. All right, so there's a little clarifier there. And uh, Abraham, no, he's like, I'm going to stay where God called us to be right in the, in the thick of it, in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and, so he's in the suburbs of Sodom, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. I'm not in Sodom, but I'm real dang close to Sodom, all right? Oh, what's the deal with the people of Sodom? Well, verse 13 says, the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked, so like not wicked, Really wicked, right? Not just a little bit. Like This place is gnarly. Take every bit of Bourbon Street from New Orleans and add some uh, you know, wildness from 3 AM Vegas style and go Cancun uh, spring break and, and mix in a little bit of Panama City Beach at its absolute raunchiest and then take some Carnival. And you've got an idea of what wild things were going down in Sodom, right? There, there, was, there, was, there was some craziness happening There, verse 14, and the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Isn't it crazy? Lot's eyes lifted. Now God says to Abram, you lift your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I don't want to get into it yet, but that's us also. So that's pretty neat. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise. I love it. Walk in the land through its length and its width, for I will give it to you. I love it. God, just go walk around. You want to see where I'm going to bless you? Go walk around. Go walk around. Wherever you are, that's where I'm going to bless you. Go walk around. Go put your foot on some places. He would later give the same promise to Joshua. He would say, wherever you put the sole of your foot, I will prosper you. And I love that promise. Go walk around. And that's, yeah, I'm going to bless you here. Yep. I'm going to bless you there. Yep. Just go walk around wherever you are. That's where blessing is. That's really good. And verse uh, 18, Abram moved his tent. And because now he's like, oh, I can go anywhere. I met with God here once, but God's like, no, go walk around wherever you are in the promised land, you're blessed. So he's walking around. He's like, that's great. And he moved his tent and he went and he dwelt by some terebinth trees of Mamre. Um, they're also known as oaks. So, I don't know why they would use terabents when you could just say, oh, okay, it's so much shorter and easier and understandable. Which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Abraham was the kind of guy, and this is why we like him, uh, he's, and he's given to us as an example of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Of course, from him would come this Jewish nation. But we as Christians, as just followers of Jesus, are pointed to Abraham as our prototype. And what I love about Abraham is he's the kind of guy, listen to me, who put God first and put others before himself. He put God first, and he put others before himself. That is to say, he lived on leftovers. Because he put God first, whatever he got, whatever he had, anything that was his, anything that was his life, went to God first. And then he put other people ahead of himself. So what is he going to live on? Leftovers. <laughs> but, but don't feel bad for Abraham. Because his leftovers that he lived on were awesome, (laughs) right? Have you, ever, have you ever hung out with people and you're like, they're leftovers? I can live on their leftovers. So I tell you, that's amazing. That's, that's really, that's eating good. Now, most of us, probably our leftovers are a feast for so many people around the world. And it's eye opening to think about that and just realize that we are rich in so many ways. We've been trusted with so much, even though we all at times feel, you know, we, we lack because we compare ourselves to, you know, the highest of the levels, those who we see on TV or whatever. But, but by global standards, all of us have been given so much to be accountable for, right? And, um, and uh, as I look to Abraham, And what he lived on, his life, I'm like, gosh, if if that's living on leftovers, count me in for wanting to live on leftovers, right? Uh, Sermon in a sentence, would that be okay? Uh, When your touch is light, your hand can be full. That's That's my whole talk. Uh, Abraham exhibits this this fact that when your touch is light on things uh, that you hold, your hand can be full. You, You can be trusted to have a full hand so long as you have a light touch. Abraham exhibits a spirit that Paul would later on articulate. I mean, it would take a long time before anybody would formalize it into language. But but Paul gave us some great advice in Philippians 2 that I think really kind of speaks to the life we all were born to live, and the spirit of generosity that's meant to mark Fresh Life Church, especially as we move towards our year-end offering. And we're all considering as families, as individuals, as as children. I love that Fresh Life kids all across our church are praying, how can they give? And you know, they made a rocket bank to the moon. I I love that so much, and I'm so excited to see what God's going to do, putting us into a position of strength and a, a place of, 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 of being the head, not the tail, to meet the needs that are going to come our way in the coming days, to be able to say yes to God again, that, that we're, we're going to be a part of answering our own prayers. Because we long to see God's kingdom come. And so we're ending the year saying, no, we're going to begin a brand new year in a place of strength, seeing his kingdom flow through us and not being a place of weakness. And we're not going to be ashamed of the great vision that God has given to us. And anybody with me on that? Like, I hold your head up high. God is doing something great. And there should, there should be a, a piece about that. And uh, so, so with the spirit, what spirit should we give with? Here, here's, here's what I would encourage you, because we're all praying about this offering, I hope. Um, here's how I hope we're all giving. Look at Philippians 2. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and let others help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. How much would we see God do if our heart's desire in, in the Wild Blue Yonder series say, would be to say, God, let us give others a helping hand. Let, others give, let us give others a helping hand. Let us not be a church that's a museum for saints. Let us be a hospital for sinners. That's our heart's desire. And if we'll do that, let me tell you something. As Pastor Brian Houston put it, and this is just really just life wisdom here, you'll never, ever come in second by putting God first. I'm just telling you something. If we're willing to put God first and focus on other people, he's going to take care of us. He's going to have our back. Our leftovers, they're going to be just enough. They're going to be more than enough. We're going to look at our lives and go, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places because I made the wise decision to put God first and to put others before myself. I wrote down five words that I think are descriptive of Abraham's leftovers. And uh, maybe jot them down if you brought something to write with. The first is opportunity. I see Abraham abounding in opportunity through the strategically wise decision to put other people ahead of himself. Here's Lot, and Lot's scheming to get the best. You just see this picture. Everyone's like, everyone's like OK, pick pick where you want to go, man. You want to you wanna go take your goats and feed them somewhere else? Fine, like, pick it. I won't, I won't look over your shoulder pick it. And you see, the way it describes Lot, he's looking around going, where's the best place for Lot? Where's the best place for Lot? Where's the best place for Lot, right? And that's, that's kind of what marks his tone. His so what does he do? He grabs for the best thing he can get. Abraham, on the other hand, he has just this relaxed confidence that someone can have when they know God is in charge. And they're not worried by every little bump. And they're not worried by every little trial. In fact, they're encouraged by the trials because they know that God promised trials. And they know there's an enemy who's out to get us. And so you know, the skittishness that comes from every time you turn on the news, oh, no, but this. And every time you read, oh, no, but that. And someone's, oh, did, huh. but, but the relaxed confidence that of someone that know, ha- Heaven help us to have the relaxed confidence of someone who knows that God is in charge. Y'all, you do know that God is in charge. So, so th- that's all over Abraham. And so we're Lot's like, oh, what about Lot? What about Smee? Smee? What about Smee? 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 What about Smee? In one of the best movies of all time, right? Um, there you are, Peter. Hook is the movie, if you uh, are young and you need to Google it, feel free. Uh, Robin Williams, great film. So um, Abraham's like, pick, pick, pick where you want to go. And uh, he gives away Prime Opportunity. And what is the response uh, to that decision? Well, the response is Abraham gets more opportunity than he could have ever asked for or taken for himself. And that seems to be what happens, this clamoring for self and this, this, this competitive spirit in a negative way. There's a good competitive spirit. Paul said, I strive to, to finish my race. I strive to reach like an Olympian towards the goal. But, but listen to me. The difference is Paul was competing against himself. Paul, Paul knew he had a lane to run in. He didn't want to fall short of the potential God put inside of him. So there's a good competitive spirit. But it's when you're running in your own lane. Lot was looking over at Abraham. Lot could have been happy by all his herds. Lot could have been happy that his uncle let him come on this journey with him. But Lot was looking at him, comparing I want more. I can't get more here, so I got to go somewhere else where I can get more. He took opportunity for himself where Abraham had this light touch about it. Bro, if you want it, your relationship means more to me than, than that. Take it. Take the prime spot. Take the first cut. It's all good, bro. You can, you can have it. And what What's the response? The response is God gives him more because of it. I, this this is good business advice too. In the business world, those of you entrepreneurs and leaders of companies, et cetera, they call this blue ocean strategy, as distinct from bloody red ocean strategy. So many business industries are full of people who are only looking at their actual industry and the red, bloody waters of fierce competition in their sector. So I'm, I'm viewing someone else doing the same thing as my actual competition, and I'm trying to get their customers to become my customers. That's just foolish and stupid and limited. If you instead create blue ocean of people who are non-customers. That's what you should be focusing on, not trying to get some other customer who uses a slightly different flavor of toothpaste to become yours. For, for, oh, wow. So we, that analogy breaks down. Now people find people who don't brush their teeth. Maybe they're out there, right? But, but, but you, you, you catch my drift. What if, instead, you could do something different to cause people who are not actually your customers, or any customers of any kind, to become yours? Because there's a whole, I guarantee there's a whole lot more people who aren't the customers of your sector than those who are. Yeah. A couple examples uh, would be, uh, well, for sure, would be dining movies, movie theaters are popping up across the country where you, A, do not have to just fight over people to get a seat. Is that seat safe? Yes. Right? The the crazy hostility and putting jackets down and stressful anxiety that comes from trying to hang on to seats and being in line. It's just a really old, outdated model. But so many movie theater companies are, are fighting against each other. But others have popped up around the country who are not competing against movie theaters. They're competing against restaurants. They're going on a Friday and Saturday all right, There's people in restaurants everywhere. So what if we offer first class dining and people could do it while they're in a movie theater? Oh, and what if it was a huge lazy boy chair? And oh, if, what if you had a huge table and a button that would call the waiter? And oh, what if you would, you would have your seat reserved ahead of time so you go sit down and you could roll in halfway through the movie? Your seat's going to still be empty with five other ones if that's how many you reserve. It's, it's, it's creating a blue ocean as opposed to competing in a crowded sector. The, the same thing would be true of what Henry Ford did. Henry Ford didn't compete against any automobile makers. He wasn't the first to have a car. There were all kinds of cars, but they were luxury cars, and they were expensive, and they were difficult to fix. He was competing against horses. Because everyone had the horse. Everyone wanted the horse. So he made a car roughly the cost of what it would operate to get a horse back in that day. And so he didn't compete against other people who were making what he made. He instead provided an alternative for people who were not his customers. And I'm telling you, that's been our strategy all along, and it continues to be our strategy. I don't want to reach people who are in churches already. That's not my heart. They bring the most problems, actually, because they come with all their weird dysfunction. So if you meet me somewhere and you tell me about the church you left to come to Fresh Life, all I'm going to do is look at my watch because I'll be setting it to remember when you're leaving our church talking about us the same way, because we're not going to be any better than your last church was. So so our heart's desire is to reach people who are on heroin. Our heart's desire is to reach people who otherwise would be taking their lives through suicide. Our competition is not other churches preaching the gospel. Our competition is the gates of hell. We are going to fight for the blue oceans, the wild blue yonder. If other people are in church, great. We speak well of other churches. Go to the other churches. We, we want to see churches built. There's more people in Portland, Salt Lake City, in Kalispell, Missoula, Billings, Bozeman, Helena, Few. There's more people than churches in these areas. So other people opening churches that preach the gospel, may, may God increase their tribe. Go to the east, we'll go to the west. Go to the north, we'll go to the south. There's people to reach. There's the wild blue yonder of church online. There's people every day Googling, how do I take my life? There's, how, do I, how do I get more prescription drugs? There's people waking up hungover and sick and not knowing where their clothes are. We want to go where no one's going to reach those who aren't being reached right now. Opportunity. That's the first thing I see in Abraham's leftovers. When we open up his doggy bag, I also see bandwidth. Bandwidth. Here's a guy who's not striving to get the Jordan River area. He's like, cool, take it. And I'll go. And God God just starts to speak to his heart and give him more opportunity. He goes on a walk. Go walk around. I love it. So what does he have? Bandwidth. Bandwidth to what? Listen to me. He's got bandwidth to help Lot out. Because here's two things that are true throughout the story. If you read Genesis 14, Genesis 18, Genesis 19, you are allowed to read your Bible when you're not in church. Uh, Here's something about Lot you'll notice. He's always needing rescuing. And here's something that's cool about Abraham. He's always participating in God doing the rescuing. So Lot's like getting kidnapped because he's put himself in danger. And Abraham's like, hey, I'll get my 318 servants, because there's, there's something you can do when you have success. When you're, when you're financially prospering, you can then be the head, not the tail, to do something about it, right? So if Abraham had this mentality that being rich is bad, which Christians somehow have mistakenly pulled the notion in, that it's somehow wrong to be successful, but he's in a position with his 318 servants to go, let's go get Lot out of problems when he gets kidnapped. So he does so. And then later on, when fireballs are about to come towards the city of Sodom, uh, he's able to be a part through prayer of seeing uh, Lot uh, come close to being spared. and In fact, the whole city being spared. Abraham puts himself in the gap for the entire city of Sodom. His goal isn't, yeah, burn it because it's sinful. His heart is broken because it's sinful. And so I love that Abraham has more bandwidth to be a part of God doing great things because he's not trying to strive and get for himself. He's got a relaxed confidence that comes from knowing God's in control. There's a third thing, encounter. You just see Abraham, you read it twice in the passage we read. What does he constantly keep doing? Building an altar, worshiping the Lord. Building an altar, worshiping the Lord. Stuff goes sideways with Lot. builds an altar. God calls him to leave Canaan, builds an altar. He takes a walk and God says, I'm going to bless you like crazy. What's his response? To build an altar. Again and again and again. And the more he puts God first and seeks God, and the more he puts finances in God's hands and puts other people ahead of himself, God God gives him more. God trusts him with more. You're like, oh, you're making Abraham sound like a tither. You're making this sound like Abraham gave. Uh, That's exactly what I'm making it sound like. In fact, Hebrews, looking back, says this of Abraham. He gave God a tenth of everything. Abraham was a tither. He's, in fact, the first specific tither we read about. If you don't include Adam and Eve, who are supposed to limit their taking of things that God gave to them back with the first tree, and then they could receive from all the other trees, They failed at it, but Abraham literally, as God would come to him and meet with him in different forms, he would give to God a tenth of everything God put into his hands, which is where we begin in giving. It's not technically giving. It's returning because God has commanded it, but it's it's giving after that. And he had that spirit in his heart as well. And the more he sought God, and the more he gave to God, and the more he returned to God, the more he encountered God. And it's this beautiful cycle. There's a, a fourth, and it's this, protection. Protection. One of the things that breaks my heart about Lot is the carnal decisions that he made uh, put his family at risk. And you see his, su- his kids suffer for it. You see just his whole legacy not be what it could have been because uh, of the choices he made. And what you see about Abraham is just the opposite. Not only did God put a shield about Abraham and give him strength as he sought the Lord, but listen to me, where Lot put his family at risk, Abraham's decision brought us into his family. And so not only to his sons and to his sons' sons and to his sons' sons' sons, but all the way reaching through the years and through the decades and through the centuries, we get to be alive in 2017. And we are spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a protection that comes from the faith that he modeled and the life that he lived. It still rings out now. It still goes on now. There's still ripples and shockwaves. And I'm telling you, if we'll live a life of faith, faith, there will be the same kind of shockwaves going forward, reverberating from our time here on earth. Long after we've gone to heaven, Jesus will still be using our life, our faith, our sacrifice. All right, 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 I got it. I got one last thing, and then we'll, then we'll try to start landing this plane. The last thing I see that marks Abraham's uh, leftovers is increase. 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 It's crazy that Abraham doesn't take. He actually gives, this giving spirit. Gives to Lot, the prime land. Gives to God through his tithes. Gives, 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 gives. gives. Gives, 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 gives. And at every turn, God just keeps giving him more. God just keeps increasing him. It's almost like the more he gives away, the more God gives to him. And then the the more he has to give away. And then the more God is able to give to him. And then the more he gives away. And let me tell you something. As I look back on 11 years of Fresh Life Church, the more generous we have been as a church, the more that God has entrusted to us. And the more Jenny and I give away, the more God has given to us in opportunity and in bandwidth and in encounter and in protection and also in increase. And I believe that for you too. David put it very uh, specifically in Psalm 37. He said, I've been young. And now I'm old. And you know what I've not seen? The righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his descendants break begging breath. I'm just telling you, there is an increase on your life as you take up the, the call to bring the tithe to the storehouse. And there is a blessing exponential that comes on your life and on your house and even on your descendants in faith that comes as above the tithe, you begin to give offerings. And then you get the rhythm with that, and you're like, OK. And above and beyond that to be able to give, ex- ex- extravagant offerings, which is the third level of generosity that so many Christians, tragically, will never tap into because they don't test him in the tithe. And then they can't begin to take the step of faith to give an offering. So how could they ever come to the actual ultimate sphere of giving where there's an extravagant offering that's able to be given above and beyond that? But the more Abraham trusted God, the more God was able to trust Abraham. Why? Because so long as you have a light touch, you're able to have a full hand. Do you receive it? in Jesus' name. So, so here's, here's where we end. We end with this beautiful, spectacular thought of Abraham who told Lot, you can have all the land to the east. In fact, it's in verse, look at it, it's in verse uh, 11. Lot chose all the land to the east. Abraham gave it. All right, Cheers. And then in verse 14, God has a conversation with Abraham and says, hey, I've got something for you. Lift your eyes and look. You're going to have all the land to the north, all the land to the south, all the land to the west, and all the land to the east. What he gave, God gave back to him. And his story ends with what he tried to give away, what he had a mentality to give away, for God to say, actually, uh, it's not yours to give at all. And if you know anything about how Lot's story ends, the last time we talk about Lot in in the book of Genesis, he's actually leaving the house that he built. Because while Abraham was building an altar and a tent, Lot was building himself a house. And that's where his heart was at. And he actually is running from his house, running from his house to go and live in a cave. In the end, Lot lost all that he tried to cling to while Abraham received back from God all that he gave away. And I believe that same for you. Nothing you ever give to God leaves your life. It just leaves your hands as you give it to him. And then he can say, oh yeah, you really think that that I will be a debtor to no man. So we can believe for that kind of a return. Jesus said a hundredfold in eternal life. And Father, we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our breath. We trust you with our resources. And we ask for the same spirit that marked Abraham to be ours. We don't want to live off the prime. We don't want to live off the first. We want to give to you first. And we want to have a mentality that puts other people ahead of ourselves. And we will happily, God, live on your leftovers knowing that you will take care of us. You are our portion. And you are the lifter of our head we pray this in the mighty matchless name of Jesus amen
0: Amen. thank you so much for watching this teaching from the wild blue yonder series if at any time during this message you made the decision to put your faith in Jesus congratulations we are so excited for you and we would love to send you a bible now to receive that you can click the know God button at freshlife.church and fill out the form there and we would love to get that in the mail for you now, if you prefer a digital Bible, you can text the word Life," all one word with no spaces, to 99,000, and we would love to send that to you along with a 21-day devotional through the Gospel of John that Pastor Levi wrote. And if you would like to support what God is doing both in and through the Fresh Life house, there are several ways that you can do that. You can give by clicking the Give button on our website, giving via the Fresh Life app, or you can text the word FRESH to 45777. And if God has used this house to work in your life, we'd love to hear from you. We hear stories from people all over the world, and it's so incredible to see how God is working in the lives of people all over. Now, if you'd like to share your story with us, you can click the Share Your Story button on our website, or you can email us at story at freshlife.church. And finally, for this Wild Blue Yonder series, we put together Wild Blue Yonder giving kits for everyone to have just to remember to pray for this series and pray for your year-end offering. And we would love to send you one. They come in this Wild Blue Yonder box. And inside, you'll receive a card with vision and just kind of direction about this series. You'll also receive uh, an envelope that comes with A card that you can write um, your year-end offering on but it also comes with a way for us to pray for you so if you want to fill this out and send it back to us we would love to pray for you and finally it comes with a super rad remove before flight keychain that says wild blue yonder on one side and risk the ocean on the other side and this is just such a cool way to Remember to pray for this series, pray for your year-end offering, and just believing alongside us what God is going to do as we launch into the wild blue yonder. Thank you again for watching this message.